back to the Shed Dogs podcast. This is episode 86. Thanks for coming along. We got a bunch of stuff on our mind. Some of it's pretty fun. Some of it's a little more on the serious side, but all of it should be entertaining and at least somewhat informative. So come along for the ride. Here we go. Mm. I have a thing I did want to ask. Uh-huh. What is this thing all about? Oh, right. Uh, I hand delivered to you guys these because uh, I had actually planned on doing this at the next session. This was back before the pandemic. So these are some things that I ordered off eBay. And uh, <laughs> so those of you who are watching the video can see. <laughs> and in fact, so let me see if I can set this up right. <sighs> um <laughs> I'm exhausted already. I was going to set up a little clothesline in here and just have different <laughs> objects come floating by the screen. <laughs> just ra- random willy dilly throughout the podcast. And then we could stick in a little mechanical noise after. <laughs> Sorry, RJ. Were either of you into trading cards when you were kids at all? Not really. Not me. KJ? Tiny, tiny bit. Yeah, and I was not. Rob, Rob from Saskatoon, was big time into baseball cards. He had at first a great big shoebox full of them. He had some some of the, some of which would have, would be worth, of course, well, would probably be worth a lot of money right now. But just as a sidebar, you know what we're going to find. You're not going to open your little packets yet, but what you are going to find inside them are some trading cards. As an aside, while I while I. <laughs> yeah, well, it's well, not uh, going to be a wafer of gold in there. I mean, <laughs> well, I think I think you're, what you're going to find in there is pretty awesome. But um, in the course of doing a little bit of research for this segment, I I discovered the following about trading cards. So, you know, like back in the day, as far back for us as the '60s, uh, we would have been aware that trading cards. You, if you just had. You know, of course, a Babe Ruth trading card that would be worth a huge amount today. Rob had a Whitey Ford trading card. He was a legendary pitcher for the New York Yankees. Um, I remember he had one of those, and that would be worth a, a huge amount today or in the future. It turns out that the bottom has fallen out of the trading card market. So, you know, you bought them, you kept them, you, you had put them, you know, your mom threw some out, but maybe you managed to keep some in, in pristine condition, maybe in a special little vinyl wrapper or something. And what happened is in a certain decade, I'm not sure if it was the 90s, the the 90s, they were still big. Some point in the 2000s, I think it was the millennial, the first decade of the millennium, a lot of old guys started to die. <laughs> That's where I was going to go. I'm glad, I'm glad you got us there because that's my assumption is the market was flooded when all the collectors started to die and their kids just dumped those things onto the market. You look at us at our age, right now we're thinking, I need less stuff, right? Like, you know, if, 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 I, if I'm going to get some stuff, it's because I really, really want to use it. But in terms of collectibles, I yeah. don't know. Like, what's the point is what I think at yeah. this point. Yeah. And so I think the people who would even know who Whitey Ford is, uh, they're going, I don't want another card. I'm trying to get rid of all these old stacks of stuff. So all that, all those years, you know, oh, if just buy this. Oh, it'll be worth so much. And this is the cycle, you know, maybe 200 years from now, an original Whitey Ford card will be amazingly valuable. So, 
because so, there's only three left in the entire world. Well, I could get that. Yeah, but. that that's the same. It's like Canada hanging on to the all the posters that origin stickers that came with you know Dark Side of the Moon. You still got yours? Is it is it pristine? Oh, I've been saving that thing. Oh, I got the album and. <laughs> <laughs> oh look at that he oh you weren't supposed oh, to oh a trading card this is a kevin mcnulty trading Holy card that he's showing us God. on the screen right now and we'll pop that and somebody kevin mcnulty trading somebody made in their basement <laughs> nice and w- for those of you listening to this on their podcast apps you can look at the cover art right now and you should see the kevin mcnulty trading card it's fantastic so does that From, mean we can look? He looked without being told that he could look. No, he did not look. No, he was showing us something different that he oh. pulled out because of this topic. Okay, guys. Now, oh, uh, what, I beg your pardon, gonna, KJ. Uh, okay. Now, what, what you're going to find inside here, I think you can go ahead and open it now. Woo! I'll make a whole bunch of opening noise. Okay, ready? Okay, Jake, Pull get ready. No, I'm not ready. <laughs> Come on, man. Come on. Ooh, I'm feeling in here. There's These feel like wafers of gold, actually. Oh, okay. Ready. Ready. Oh, ready. All right, let's see them. <laughs> <laughs> what we have here, and I'll just hold this one up. Oh, I don't know. I got to turn off my Ooh. background. I'm going to turn off my little background thing here. Oh, there we go. Dinosaurs attack. It was very exciting. Oh, that's what dinosaurs attack was. That's what that was. So I'm just going to turn off my background here. I did not get that at all. So we're opening now, are we? Yeah. So before you open it, let me just (gasps) tell you a little bit about this. So the reason I even heard about these things was because Brady Heron of the Hello Internet podcast ah. was really into Dinosaurs Attack cards. And I heard him describe them. And I thought that is funny. These cards came out in 1988, made by, uh, you may recall, the Tops oh, yeah. company. Double bubble. Yep. Yeah, exactly. So what we have inside these cards that you're about to open are going to be five cards. And these are these are unopened. These are vintage, 1988. They are... Oh, really? You know, these I, are actually yeah, from back then? They, they are from back then. They're not reprints. Ooh. And what it is, is that I think a whole bunch of people bought them thinking, oh man, these are going to be worth something someday. And these days you can buy them on the internet for less than they cost brand new because people bought a whole bunch thinking I'm going to make a million dollars. So now... Uh, wow. what? What you're going to find inside here are five cards. And gum. And gum. Yay. Well, I've been I've been looking on YouTube, and there are videos on YouTube of people eating the gum from older, older cards than this. <laughs> the gum's going to, it. what happens is it just crackles. It's actually. Like it's just, it's ultra dry. You can actually see in the back of this. Thing. It actually says 1982 right on it. Oh, 82? 88. 88, I beg your pardon, which is yeah. super cool. Yeah. Now, my gum, oh, there it is. It came off. Bobby, <laughs> you going to try it? it in. Oh, Good nice. God. It's crunching. This is 1988 food, everybody. Oh. <laughs> I'm gonna, I don't think I'm going to swallow this, though, if that's all right. <laughs> Let's see. 98. 08, 18. Oh. So this is 32-year-old 30, gum that were that uh, KJ just tried. Well, it's all in fragments too, eh? Like, Let me ask you, KJ, how did it taste? 
Uh, there was uh, certainly some granulated sugar in there, if nothing else. <laughs> I just need to pestle it a bit then. <laughs> I, got, okay. I dropped some on the floor. I got to pick it up before the dogs get it. I don't want to kill them right okay, out. I'm, I'm looking at my cards, RJ. Can I do that? I think, yeah, I'm, I'm curious as to whether all 10 packs, I got a pack of 10. Uh, and so what I did was I gave you guys two each two packs. That means 10 cards. And I myself have two packs. I've got one pack. I'm going to save to give to the kids so they can save it and make a million dollars one day. And then I've got three packs to give away to our listeners. The first three people who write in for correspondence based on this episode. And all you have to do is in your, in your email, say, I want my dinosaur attacks cards. Just say that. And then we will mail to you, include your uh, address, uh, your actual physical mailing and address. We will mail to you a free pack of dinosaur attacks cards. What a guy. To trade. To trade with us or with your friends. Okay, I got to put my reading glasses on for this. So sorry for the shininess. I'm looking okay, for my, repeats already in mine. I don't see any yet. My first one here. Yeah, you sh- I think you should get five unique ones. But the question is, did you get the same five unique ones that I got? No, that's the thing. And, and also, I did not get the same five unique ones in both packages. I got 10 unique cards, it looks like to oh, me. Oh, that's excellent. Well, I have here number 28. Ooh, number excellent. Number 28, Saurian Secrets. And I'll hold it up now, and we'll put it on your podcast app. You can see it right now. So this is number 28, Saurian Secrets secrets nice nice and on the back it says dr elias thorne temporal physicist so he's a physicist who is able to move dinosaurs see what happened was the time thing got broken and dinosaurs got actually transported forward in time into modern days he's the guy whose fault this all is all the peril and awfulness reflected in these cards is that guy's fault He says, my staff and I have been working feverishly to reverse the cataclysmic time tilt and send the dinosaurs back to their own era. Finally, after 40 sleepless hours, I slumped over my desk and had a curious dream. Nice. So RJ, I've got number 27 here. And on the back, it says, see card number 28, Saurian Secrets, because this is 27. Oh. Soviets versus Dimetrodon, Trodons, Demetrodons. Demetrodons. Oh, yeah. yeah. And it's a little picture. See the little picture of him on the back with the, the, the alien? Just like what's on your card. Ah, so it gives you a little hint oh. as to how the story all hangs together. Oh, I see. Okay. PJ, what do you got for us? Well, I'm just looking. I don't have any sequential like that. I have all unique cards, though. I got no duplicates. Oh, I have some sequential ones. Grab a random one there. Okay, how about card number 31, A Kid Strikes Back. Oh, nice. Oh, Oh, nasty. (laughs) And uh, looks like he got a hold of a bazooka. And the text at the back is very hard to read, but it says um, it's a news story. Canarsie, Brooklyn, at 11.42 this morning, a National Guardsman armed with a rocket launcher was escorting little Melissa Rogers and her infant brother Evan to safety when disaster struck from the skies. A Terranadon swooped down and grabbed the Guardsman, hurling him to gruesome death on the pavement below. 12-year-old Melissa, a fan of war comics, picked up the fallen rocket launcher and prepared it for use. 
when a Ceratorosaurus, Ceratorus, no, Ceratosaurus, turned the corner and began (laughs) harassing little Evan, Melissa was more than ready for it. In a blinding instant, she blew a hole straight through the oncoming beast. Splattered with the dinosaur's blood, Melissa smiled triumphantly, then gave her little brother an enthusiastic thumbs up. Wowie, that's some action. Let me just tell you that. And that was number 30. And I have 31 here, which I don't know if it leads on from that or not. No, it does not. 31 is a really, just a minute, I'll just show you this. It's an appalling picture. And it's, uh, the caption is, Our Forces Flattened. And it shows some oh, hapless no. doctor looking guy who's just oh, been squished. God. So these cards, pretty graphic, like... Last well, one, rocket going through a dinosaur. This one, some skinny. guy squished flat. This is called uh, number 26, Coasting to Calamity. <laughs> and it's the roller coaster going straight into the dragon, <laughs> the dinosaur's <laughs> mouth. These uh, are awesome. <laughs> These are ridiculous. These are awesome. And that first one, you get something inside it, right? This, this guy is a peelback guy, right? Oh, are those really? Oh, I didn't know that. But I don't know what, if we should do that. It says lift here or something. Oh, they're stickers. Oh, is that what they are? Oh, yeah. oh, nice. See, there's the ones I got. Trachodon. Oh, nice. Ankylosaurus. I'll show you mine. I'm going to... Are you really going to stick it? What a guy. Stick Live it on my today, truck, Mo. maybe. Or the Live cigarette machine. Today. There you go. Check out mine. Come on, look. You got to look. Look at yours has got guys getting killed, though. Oh, so does mine. Oh, yeah. That's cute. Oh, this... cute on the Triceratops horn. <laughs> yeah, and they, the, the backs of the cards on these ones have the truth about Trachodon. And they tell you the real facts that we know, when it lived, how long it was, how oh. many teeth it have. But the picture shows it interacting with, like, in one case, it's got a light standard in its mouth. In the other case, it is... Just torn a big chunk out of the middle of some hippie-looking guy's body. So, pretty graphic. Those are pretty fun. This one, the, the Plesiosaurus. It's been suggested that the famous Loch Ness monster in Scotland is a surviving Plesiosaurus. Plesiosaur, since this species orig- originally lived in the area. Ah, and it so happens, Rich is missing out here big time now. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's Nessie. So happens that I have the final card in the story. <gasps> what number is it? 54. And what and, does it say? Well, on the back it says, and so the human race survives. Oh. We pick ourselves out of the rubble of a ravaged world and look toward tomorrow with renewed hope. The Saurian was right. Human beings do have souls. This is our salvation. How ironic. Through time scan, Elias and I hope to learn why the dinosaurs were wiped out of existence 65 million years ago. Well, we finally discovered what annihilated them. We did. End of story. <laughs> okay, uh, uh, how about we go through our cards and find the most goriest card that we can find, each of us. Okay, okay, so you look through them. Nominate your one, and then we'll have a little vote to see whose is really the worst. I just kind of thought that I'd already done this. Oh, I haven't showed you that one, Skinny. What's that? I got one that's even gorier than the coasting to calamity. <laughs> well, I think I've got a winner here for sure. Ooh. 
There's a lot of nastiness in these, isn't there? Oh, I have your uh, number 30 at Kid Strikes Back. I have that one. Oh, okay. Well, that's that wasn't my nominee. These are pretty intense, though. Okay, I'm putting mine up. I got London in <laughs> Flames. Okay, what do we got here? There's just people pickled on this. Uh... Oh, I've got that one. Yeah, I've got that one. <laughs> I can see the spikes that have gone right yeah. through all yeah. those people. I like that there's a guy half in the mouth. Like, I was looking for dismemberment as my... Here's my my number 26, Coasting to Calamity. Ah, yeah. KJ's got that one. We've oh, seen that's that. Awesome. That's nice. That's very awesome. <laughs> I Hold that up again. I want to see, is that a hand? <clears throat> well, just tell me, what's gripping the part? There's, there's something gripping onto the bottom of the roller coaster structure there. You're so right. It's a poorly drawn dinosaur. It looks almost like a human hand. Yeah, it looks exactly it, like a human hand. But actually. it does have little uh, nails, like oh, pointy okay. nails. So they're trying to pretend that's a dinosaur hand. Okay. I think the artist never really learned how to do dinosaur claws. Um, here's, a, here's a nice and gory one. Oh, somebody is ripped in half. <laughs> okay, well, there you go. That's, uh, yeah, that's pretty. I think that might be our winner right there. This Num- number th- that's number 37 picnic of peril we do have to try to remember to read out the cards that we're showing guys okay so was- you you have number 31 there our forces flattened yeah and we get to see apparently a still conscious victim who's been stepped upon by a really large dinosaur and his rib cage is shown there and his legs sticking out one side he's really a mess yes question for you guys in 1988 what age do you think is buying these cards? 12-year-old boy. 12-year-old? I think 8-year-olds are going to have them too, right? Yeah. 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 12 max, 8-year-old just because, whoa, whoa, man. And how about, how about a 4-year-old? No way. <laughs> at, what age, at what age are they going to go, oh, my God? Like mom goes, oh, it's some collector cards. Yeah. Here you go, Johnny. Just take those. And yeah. At 4 <laughs> years old, mom's going to intervene when they see somebody ripped in half by two dinosaurs. That's nightmare material. RJ, you were out of the room when I showed this before, but just for you, I got card number 54. Rebuilding Our World. That's the end of story card. Oh, really? You have the... Wow. That's awesome. That's money right there. Money in the bank. And so the human race survives. End of story. That's fantastic. Never letting that go. My kids will sell that for a million dollars. So these are amazing. I'm looking forward to getting my... uh, best reading glasses on afterwards and carefully going through them, looking for any flaws, cataloging them, looking for duplicates. And uh, if I do have any dupes, then I, I'm hoping to be able to trade with you guys. And uh, <laughs> I don't have any dupes though at all. I'm, I'm sure no. I do not. No, I, okay. I went through looking already once. All right. And uh, listeners, just write us a, uh, write us a co- correspondence uh, through the usual methods. Yeah, we are we are sheddogs at gmail.com or on our website. There's the contact page, or on a Facebook comment or a comment on our web page. Just include the words, and I can't remember what the words were, but something along the lines of "Oh, PJ is holding up number forty-five, Anchorman's Peril." And then here's what's on the back that explains the picture. <laughs> oh, please stand by. It it's says a blank, no. blank TV screen with "Please stand by" in. In old style computer uh, font, right? Because the the producer said, "Okay, go to the please stand by screen. We can't show what the dinosaur is doing to the anchor man." Yeah, the anchor man's and, toast. Yes, 
we will try our best to get these scanned and into the uh, podcast artwork. Ooh, these are awesome, RJ. Nice work, RJ. Nice work. If the if you don't find them on the podcast artwork, you'll have to follow along on the webpage. We'll put them up there. Italy under siege. It's just fantastic. So yeah, so including your correspondence, something along the lines of send me my dinosaurs attacks cards or something like that, then uh, and give us your. Uh, if I guess you'll have to email us your address. You probably won't want to post that publicly. So just send us that in an email to weareshedddogs at gmail.com or we'll just get in touch with you to, to get your address for mailing the uh, prize pack. <laughs> and uh, we have an immense uh, expense account for the stamps and everything, so we'll cover that. boy. You know, this gum, I ate one of these things. It was hideous, just oof. Just, Any sweetness? No, it's just it's just like all chemical all day. It's not. I don't know how you found it, KJ, but I found that gum to be horrible. It just tasted like I don't know chalk or something. It was pretty bad. But uh, KJ noticed that you know there's there's one in each package that's a sticker, RJ. Yeah. So what's the deal with a sticker? Can oh it can stick on anywhere. Oh, I see. Okay. And it, and it gives you factual facts about the dinosaur, but the illustration shows the dinosaur, you know, eating somebody or tearing a light got, post out. There you go. I have I have the Dimetrodon. Yeah. Dimetrodon. And on the back, you get actual facts about the Dimetrodon, including that it is not actually that much larger than a city bus. But it's cool. Very very cool. I'll send you some links to Amazon uh, collector booklets. <laughs> we're going to we're going to get into this big time now. Yeah, that that should send uh, our listenership over the top, just over the top. And listeners, if you want, just go on to eBay and uh, search for dinosaurs attacks. They're very reasonably priced. Okay, I'm going to look up our listener mail. Oh, that's good listener good. mail. Okay, I got a couple listener mails here. <laughs> what? I'm waiting for listener mail. What? You just had a very interesting look on your face. Like, <laughs> God. Go, Rich. Go. Well, heavy oh, eye roll. No, no, it's no, just, no, I'm no, it's quite serious. attentively waiting. Yeah, I want to know what that, because I know we got them from a couple of uh, our regular longtime listeners. We talked about shingles vaccines, and Mike from Rosslyn had already sent us a very, very short, terse email saying, get your shingles vaccine because it's terrible not to but he has given us more detail now he says hey dogs i also had shingles joanne thought i had reacted to a sunscreen then saw that the next day it was worse i got a prescription for an antiviral that second day and i think it helped reduce the time that i suffered and oh man do you suffer it turns out that three people in my department got it different days with the one that had recurring flare-ups anyway uh, Mike's just saying, get your shingles vaccine. I highly concur. Sue and I are now uh, able to get our second because you have to get two vaccines to make it work. And uh, we have in our calendar the date, the last date that we can get it because we're not all excited to go down to the uh, mm. pharmacy in this pandemic. So uh, we're holding off a bit. We, we're allowed to do it up to six months after the first one. Was Mike suggesting that that it's contagious? No, he wasn't. He, I I don't think he was anyway. But it, it is not contagious. But it just turned out that several different people but got it close together. Not necessarily this. Oh, it was fairly close together. Not, but not necessarily at the same time or anything. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. okay. 
Okay, and uh, Huey from, uh, I believe it is Fort St. John. <laughs> Sorry, it's Huey from Janelle. That's just our running joke, guys. But anyway, I didn't want to guess Janelle because it's the standard joke guess. That's what I, I, thought. Was, I think he really does live in Janelle. That's what oh, I thought he does. Too. Yeah, <laughs> he does. He does live in Janelle. But I always like to give it a different name each time. Anyway, uh, Huey from Janelle says, hi, dogs. Uh, you recall, guys, that we did some information about tumbleweeds. So he writes in about that. I enjoyed seeing you on the YouTube podcast, probably number 81. In 1983, I drove my then new sports car down to Reno via Route 95 and for the first time saw tumbling tumbleweeds. He also saw jackrabbits and rattlesnakes. This all occurred in Southern Oregon and Northern California before crossing into Nevada. Those were the most interesting things that happened on the trip. <laughs> it was in, because that, that uh, Eastern Oregon and Northeastern California are pretty flat. Uh, can be kind of boring. Um, anyway, he says it was in October and this was my last cruise of the year before storing the car. The song tumbling tumbleweeds always reminds me of this trip. Cheers, Huey. Thanks, Huey. Yeah. 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 Those road trips can be pretty magical. And, uh, you know, it was interesting. I was, I had some reason to go into Wikipedia to look at Oregon and Eastern Oregon and Western Oregon each have their separate Wikipedia entries because they're so geographically completely different from each other. Oh, so there's not a political movement on to secede from Oregon, is there? No. We want to have our own state of Western Oregon? Well, I think I think Oregon itself might want to secede. Yeah, no, I, I just meant within Oregon, are they going to yeah. split? Oregon's a funny place. It's a very liberal state, and it has some real conservatism inside it as well. And I think that partially has to do with the East versus West divide. But the city of Portland itself had a no blacks policy for easily a hundred years. So they basically had zero blacks in the city of Portland until I don't know when. Um, can look that up on Wikipedia. But uh, to this day, it probably has a lower than a typical Boy, city. Uh, yeah, for if black I was population. if I was a person of color, I don't think I'd be heading to a place that had a hundred year only recently ended history of absolute straight out don't come here. Don't think mm-hmm. I'd be doing that. Yeah, and yet Oregon is a super liberal city. I mean, Portland is a super liberal city, so it's it's just kind of interesting. Yeah, hmm. didn't know that. That's that's interesting. Uh, well, you know, like wow. <laughs> All right, what's what's tickling your fancy there, KJ? I'm just soaking in the visuals here. I'm. <laughs> I just love watching Skinny think. <laughs> watching the wheels turn in there just thinking whoa and i had something i was gonna say that oh we got our three ha- okay go ahead oh i was just gonna say speaking of liberals and conservatives there's a link we should put up on the website to a psychology today article that explains why people support trump not going to go through it all but if you've ever wondered that which i have for about three years now it offers from a psychological perspective what compels people to stick with him through thick or thin, regardless of all the stuff that I find just incredible? It's kind of a fun thing. Some of it you will have imagined yourself already, and some of it, you know, I didn't know before. So it's, it doesn't really explain it. It just suggests about six or seven different possibilities. So I, hmm. I think we'll, I, I'd like for us to put the link to that up. That was sent from uh, Leslie of Durham. Uh, because last night I was on a Zoom call with uh, my two brothers and my sister, and 
uh, their kids. And this came up, and I was expressing confusion over that, and so she sent me that today. Oh, and there's another thing in our long-standing category of terrific band names. My nephew, Max, is going to start a band probably a year and a half from now. He's going to go to school and then relocate to Richmond, and when he gets to Richmond, start a band because he knows some guys and he, he plays guitar. So my suggestion from yesterday's Twitter feed was the Ruddy Turnstones. And that's, a, that's the name of a bird. Ruddy Turnstone is a bird. And I think there's an endless supply of wicked good band names in the bird naming world. Just well, let me guess. The Ruddy Turnstones, do they like to like literally turn stones over and peck at the uh, bugs underneath? Yeah, they look like they, it was something sent from way up north. And I think there's something that lives along the shoreline. So, yes, it turns rocks over and picks up whatever's wiggling around under the rocks, I think. Oh, yeah. So it's just fun. Ruddy Turnstone, I thought, was a really fun name. So I just thought I'd throw there. That's more or less public service, you know, for those of our listeners out there starting bands, because many of us have time in our hands right now and uh, either retired or confined might want to start a band. We should start a band. Maybe we should reserve that name. Limited (laughs) (laughs) buy-in. Yeah, coming up with a band name is... uh always a challenging thing to do it's delicate work mm-hmm. now did we but, have any more mail i thought we did oh probably but that's all i had tagged ah here was here's one from melanie from the crow's nest oh, past right 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 i said the crow's nest past but it's present the crow's nest past. yes that's right anyway she <laughs> says jute and i are a little behind on the podcasts oops so in response to ringtones and juggling Below is the only way I could find to send you my ringtone and memories of juggling. The venue is the Fruitvale Memorial Hall. The event is Jute and Mel's wedding. Performer, Cuke. So Cuke juggled at Jute and Mel's wedding. Oh my goodness. I believe I did as well, I think. There he is. Some nice pictures. We will also put those on the podcast. Cuke was the premier juggler in our, our group of friends in the 70s. That's a good one. Way to go, Mel. She also says, enjoying your rambling. (laughs) No, it's carefully structured. People don't know that there's a script for all of this. Um, Let's see. Oh, we got a YouTube comment. That was just uh, from Mike from Rosslyn saying, hey, I'm your first commenter. (laughs) So that's all I got. Okay. Thanks, Mike. Thanks for getting out there, registering your presence. Most people, you know, the 40 other viewers chose not to identify themselves in the early days of the internet uh maybe even before the internet there would be comment boards or whatever or blogs or whatever anyway so people would post and a very common first post in reply first comment would be the word first exclamation point and uh that became a thing yeah yeah it's first And then within a few months of that, it became, you know, first. And then the second comment was eyes roll. <laughs> God. And so oh. the content creators richly rewarded. Eh? Yeah. RJ, I think you were just about to embark on an explanation of our headgear. I thought you were just about to tell people about that. I was. How did you know that? 
Uh, because I interrupted you. <laughs> no, but I, I, well, we both were starting to talk and I didn't even think I got a word out of my mouth, but I must have. Yeah. Just for our listeners, uh, who are, our our viewers who are looking on the YouTube, you'll see the three of us wearing our, uh, shed dogs caps. We refer to them from time to time, but you usually can't see them. The color of our caps is actually color coded and KJ there is, is there in the shed. He's got his blue microphone and a blue cap. When we're in the shed, PJ and I also have, I have a red microphone and he has a green microphone. The, each of the microphones have a color cable as well. And that color cable matches and that, and that cable goes all the way into our little interface that, that, uh, we use to record with. So that's how we keep everything in order is the colors. Yeah. But you want to probably tell people something about why we wear these dippy hats, RJ. <laughs> um, because uh, we like our hats. They're flat brim hats, so we feel like, you know. There you go. Now you're getting to it. I, I think, you know, I've seen, you know, young commenters saying, I wish those old guys had stopped wearing the flat brim hats. You know, it really, uh, you it's, know, I've actually seen that before. And I'm going, Sonny, you know, back when, when you were uh, just a, a twinkle in somebody's eye, old farmers were wearing flat build caps. It's you who have appropriated it from us. And in fact... It is you who appropriated it from the hip hop guys who appropriated it from us. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. So we great. own these flat built caps. And and, I and the whole Korean thing. That's our thing. Finger yeah. Huh? Sending love. Except for, well, my hat came with a little flaw there, so I'm <laughs> unable to send love. You may have noticed that. Uh, PJ's is this. You had one thing. <laughs> one thing. <laughs> That's right. I hate it when guys go, oh. Yeah, no, the hats are supposed to, in my opinion, the hats are intended to lend attitude. When we put these things on, we're coming for business. We're coming to do this podcast. We know we're in the shed when we're wearing these hats. So they're handy for when we have to remote like this. I can feel just like I'm sitting in the shed just because I've got this uncomfortable, unsightly hat on. <laughs> That's uh, what they're for. Because normally, normally, let's face it, outside the confines of the shed, I'm a much different person. I'm much more positive. I tend to not get upset and irritated by petty little nonsensical things. It's only when we're ready for production that I let all that stuff out. I think you can both vouch for that. Um, <laughs> Rich? <laughs> uh, that's not how I find it skinny, but, you know, if you want to delude yourself you go right ahead okay i'm color me deluded um i want to know kj you had an article an item in our list of things to talk about called where are the billionaires and i suspect i have a guess as to where that might have come from but did you want to elaborate because if you don't i will uh was that my entry sure enough oh well then just one of my little questions like why aren't they Stepping up in, uh, especially the United States of America, that seems to be leaderless right now, and uh, I think some of them are. And uh, but you'd sort of think, I mean, Jeff Bezos is like uh, kicking people off the workforce because they're complaining about working conditions and stuff, while he makes who knows how much money he made on the on the 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 two trillion. Like all that money is no nobody's watching where all that money's going, right? There, it's cuckoo down there. What do you got, Skin? Well, that's exactly what I thought you were talking about with that. And yeah, 
there's uh, Jeff Bezos comes up a lot in social media as he has enough money to fix a whole bunch of problems. Why isn't he doing it? And yes, Amazon, apparently uh, they were seeking charitable donations to fund people's leaves, <laughs> like Amazon employees that were being asked. Have you noticed too, it's a fun thing. Uh, they've started using furlough as the word to replace laid off or fired. They were furloughed. Furlough used to have a pretty positive connotation because it meant you were being taken out of a combat situation or a, a military service and sent home to see your loved ones. And now you're getting furloughed if you've lost your job. Anyway, there's a lot. And yeah, the question was, where is that? I think it was $1.5 trillion. There was some move to control it. And when he signed the executive order approving it, Trump added a little bit in there that said, I'm not going to report and I'm not going to respond to requests for documentation about where this money is going. So, And I'm going to fire the inspector general anyway. Yeah, the, so if that doesn't yeah. suggest problems, uh, yeah, I don't know. There's since been a whole bunch of complaints about people who run small businesses that are not getting help, and yet large profitable businesses are receiving enormous amounts of money and so on and so forth. There's some of that going on in Canada as well. I will say, though, in Canada's defense, way to go, Canada. Um, first off, I'm just really grateful to live here right now during this business. And they started throwing money right early on as soon as people started losing jobs like i they did this thing uh the what is it canadian emergency response benefit correct and boy oh boy i don't know after the fact i'm sure they're going to do something to recover some of the money they have given out because they are really exercising very little control over who gets what they're, they're obviously their prime directive was to get it into people's hands as quick as they could because people were missing rent and missing payments and all kinds of stuff. You basically, if you're over 15, you made more than five grand last year and you're not already drawing EI, you're good. That was it. No question about whether you have assets, no question about whether you have income from other sources, no nothing. Just if, oh, sorry, I left out one criteria, which was you have to have lost your job as a result of the coronavirus. Which and I met all those criteria, so I got it, and it got it immediately too. So, <laughs> what does that say? I can only see the how, Donald's name. How popular is Donald Trump? Uh, <laughs> what we have is a forty-three point seven percent approval rating for him right now. So it's dropping. We've got the disapprove is fifty-two point one percent. It's going up. Now, any any president who is president in a crisis their rates go through the roof. Like Trudeau's approval ratings right now would be extremely high, you know, except for the core who just will hate him no matter what he does, which maybe 25% of Canadians, probably 20%. But other than that, he's going to be super high right now because he's doing largely the right thing or he appears to be. Trump is the only guy who's ever been, you know, in a crisis like this and he just stays. Here it is. It's just his base plus 5%. That's pretty well it. So uh, anyway, it's a good sign, I think. Yeah, that article is a good read because it reflects the, the complete invincibility of logic. Like, sorry, sorry. It reflects how his base is completely invulnerable to logic uh, and why they might be that way. The things that motivate people to continue to support just no matter what. And, and they apply to 
not just him, to anybody in a similar position where they're doing all kinds of crazy stuff that your intellect would tell you, geez, that's probably really bad, but your yeah. emotions tell you to continue supporting it anyways, just blindly yeah. no matter what. I mean, I guess what I'm trying to say is, uh, barring, you know, the him declaring that there will be no elections, yeah. that he's, he's screwed, basically. Yeah, and I mean, if he declared that there was going to be no elections, what would happen, I wonder? Oh, there's a lot of institutional strength in the U.S. that would uh, that would manage to get around that. I think. Yeah. Well, yeah hopefully, we don't hope. have to find out. Yeah, yeah, I hope. Yeah. All right. We were diverted from the pandemic a little earlier, but I wanted to mention this writer for New York Times, I think, and I think his name is Don McNeil, and he he was a big journalist through the Ebola crisis, and he's. He's, I don't know if he's been to Wuhan, but he was just talking and I found it rather interesting. He said that this virus, because it is so um, nasty, he says it doesn't matter. And he was talking about people getting separated from their families and quarantined. And he was talking about it in China and saying, he sort of started off and said, you know, the Chinese are just like us. They love their families, just like we love our families. And we don't want to see our families die because of us or we don't want to die because of them and he said uh he said in china they would um sometimes they would drag them kicking and screaming to put them in quarantine to actually remove them from their family and just the way he was talking about it he said he says that's how you have to deal with it if you want to protect your population, those people around you, that's what you have to do. And just he just kind of looked at it like it was very practical. It wasn't a, like a political regime. It, it, mm-hmm. I mean, it makes it way easier if that regime is in place, of course. But mm-hmm. he said, it's going to come down to that. And we should all kind of know that, that yeah. that's how serious if we really want to like even in the states things are so backwards and slow as far as testing is concerned i i'm really worried what's going to happen there like already mm. there's having oh you know they're already talking about the wisconsin vote there's already people who got sick mm. because they had to go and vote you mm. know like oh and and you know the beach is already oh my god anyway um, i just i just thought it was a rather fascinating little look and he was he was a little bit more of the let's talk two to three years uh, mm. if we're talking anywhere close to normal. Yeah. Yep. I don't know what it's going to be. It's just a lot, though. You know, typically in North America, we've believed for 50 or more years that science will fix everything. And I think we're still believing that. And you just kind of think, well... I guess there's a limit. At some point, science is not going to be able to fix every single problem. I don't know if this is the limit. I doubt it. But at some point, you know, yeah. didn't fix cancer yet. Made inroads, lots of inroads on treatment of cancer to reduce it. But it's not kind of erased. And you sort of wonder with viruses, like I said earlier on, uh, like if another one came up in the next year before a vaccine for this one was developed, well, that would be tough. That would be real tough. Well, science has a really good record with uh, vaccines for yeah. this, for, vi- for viruses. Um, so you got your testing, your vaccines, and your treatments. Those are the big three in the triangle. And um, I have, I think there's been some promising news on the vaccine camp. 
but we know that the timing for that is a really long time, like six to 18 months to get that to market. And then yeah. on the treatment camp, there's been some really promising results as well with one of those four syllable drugs oh. um, that I think is passed or is just at the end of stage one. So I don't know. I also think that science is going to come hard at this, but it still could be quite a while before things return to normal. Yeah. Yeah, no, I actually do think they'll get it, but I, again, agree with both of you. I think it'll take a while. Uh, it's not going to be like fall. Mm. Just for me, for me, I just wish testing. I wish testing was a thing that they could figure out how to do that really widely, quickly, easily. It's easy to say, but... I'll be really surprised if uh, schools in Canada go back in September. Yeah, I think I will too. And Unless they come up with a test, I can't... I, yeah. I know it's funny. You read all these jokes around about how everybody who's at home with nothing to do has decided they're an epidemiologist now. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, it's hard to imagine they're going to discover a test and by fall. I don't know. I know. Yeah. I was looking at some of those graphs and in BC, I saw the graph where it shows uh, how we've been doing. Yeah. I think in terms of testing, yeah, like, number of cases, which is highly unreliable, but anyway, and it's a nice, you see it curving down, right? And then they showed, okay, so our model shows it and it roughly traces that curving down and it shows it dropping right down. Now, if we open things up, this is our model and it shows it going way high up. And oh, if we open things up halfway, here's our model and it shows it going kind of high. But I look closely at that and I'm going, wait a minute, it's not heading down. You look at the bars and you're going, it's it's going up. It's got a classic parabola. Great. And then it looks like it's a line. Like, yeah. like right now we're just battling it down by staying at home. Yeah. Now, speaking of which, guys, I have a box of 10 N95s here. I did call the, uh, there's a number call if you have PPE to contribute. Mm. Um, so I did call that number yesterday, left a message. They actually tried to call me back while we were podcasting. Oh. They didn't leave me a message, so. That's good. Good on you, though. Way to be a good, good, yeah. good citizen. I don't feel that Burna or BC or Burnaby in particular has been running out of them, but I think that they have the potential to suddenly run out. So Yeah. Yeah, yeah I got offered a gig this week. You're kidding. I know. That's, wow. that's pretty rare, wow. isn't it? So the wow. guy, uh, the, uh, the director of uh, Bahumbug down at SFU Woodwards, he's got his finger in uh, all sorts of organizations in the downtown east side. And he was talking to somebody, and they mentioned that uh, the downtown east side, there's, a, there's just way too many people who don't have any access to any kind of social media, like not even television, let alone phones yeah. and shit right and he was in some sort of meeting and he said uh, <clears throat> well what you need is a town crier and and the lady he who she he was talking to said well what, what's that oh you know hear ye hear ye stand on the on your soapbox and <clears throat> so he's going to try this out <clears throat> and the gig is two hours a day for five days in a row and you go down and you're either going to have a like a mic and a speaker portable or else a megaphone and you get a page of instruction that you read and all it's basically for uh wow. social distancing washing your hands uh th- that kind of stuff just because 
some people think that the people aren't they're, they're not reading all the little signs and stuff. Anyway, so I said I said to him uh, that I would do it. He's gonna um, one of the uh, uh, native actors in the show is gonna do it, and I don't know if they're just gonna do it for two weeks. So that he's gonna do one week, and then he wanted me to do the other one. I, I said yes, but I, I said I check with Susan first. So I went up and I said, so I, I got offered this uh, gig in downtown. He says, no, she said no. <laughs> <laughs> no, you are not doing that. No, no. And I said, well, you know, the parks board is going to be there and they're going to make sure that nobody gets near you. And it, no, she said, <laughs> you would die instantly. And I think she's right. <laughs> so I had to turn well, him down. I, riding through there, it's it was very eerie. I've said this before, sitting and ride through there sometime. Take a drive or a car. Uh, I, I feel guilty saying it that way. But when you go through there, it is like another world. They really do not have any concern whatsoever for social distancing or for COVID or coronavirus, they got such bigger fish to fry that they're just not invested. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's real weird. It's uh, I think, upsetting. I think I was talking to him when I heard the word quarantine come up, where they were going to actually, I think if they found cases – that they were going to have buildings where they would start putting people. And that's quite contrary to anything else I've ever heard in Canada. But you got to think, well, how do you do it down there? You know, well, they're, doing it, they're doing it at the airport, right? So like in BC, if you fly in from abroad in BC and you don't have a very convincing quarantine plan, they'll quarantine you. So it's not just the downtown east side. Like they'll put you in a, in a motel or something? They'll put you somewhere, but they'll... You don't have a plan? Ooh, they'll make you a plan. Like they'll take care of it. Oh, that got announced probably a week ago, I think. Mm. Can't remember. Uh, it's um, not too long. That's the end of this episode. Again, who knows what you're going to see and hear? What you're going to make of what you have just seen and heard? If you didn't get a chance, you were listening to this only, you might get a chance to go look at it on YouTube because we should have a video of it up. We're doing that because when we remote in, the tools are easily available and it's kind of fun to go look and see. But if you've just listened to it and you've had enough, that's fine. Failing that, maybe go have a look on YouTube and see if it's a whole different experience. We'd kind of like to know. No matter what you do or don't do, thank you for coming in. Look forward to you coming in again. Until you do, take care of yourselves. Make sure you're still here the next time we release one, and we'll talk to you soon. See you, boys. Bye. Bye-bye. <laughs> See you later.